Hi everyone, James Prescott here and welcome to another episode of James Talks and it's a very special episode today. Um, I've got a very special guest with me, Sarah Bessie. Say hello, Sarah. <laughs> hello. <laughs> it's great to have you here. Sarah is a, um, a writer, a blogger, an author and a speaker and she's just released a book, her second book, which is called out of sorts, making peace with an evolving faith. I just finished reading it and it's amazing. So um, go and buy it and <laughs> just read it. It's amazing. Um, that's that's so a much... good start, James. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously, I want to say flattery gets you everywhere, doesn't it? So, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, no, but yeah, go and buy it. It's fantastic. And um, yeah, so we're going to talk a bit about that today and share, Sarah's going to talk, share her story a little bit. And then we'll see where that goes. So, um, Sarah, just um, welcome and uh, just tell us a bit about, about yourself and your story. Uh, sure. Well, I'm really glad that you asked me to come on, James. Thank you so much. Um, well, for, um, I guess as an introduction, you kind of said all, all probably the, the top line stuff. Um, I'm Canadian, so I live in uh, Western Canada in a town just outside of Vancouver. Um, so if you watch the Olympics, you know, that the Winter Olympics a few years ago. That's that's my neck of the woods. Um, so I have been married for nearly 15 years. I have uh, four children um, that are nine and seven and uh, four and a half. And then I have a new baby uh, who's uh, seven months old. And um, we have just, uh, you know, I, I think my background is, is primarily, you know, in the um, charismatic and, um, you know, non-denominational kind of churchy world, uh, from a faith perspective. And so, um, you know, a big part of my story is that, you know, I kind of started in, in this one space and ended up kind of, you know, doing uh, a season of what I, I call my wilderness, but it was, you know, a bit more of a wandering and a sense of kind of getting an idea for how, how big and how wild and how wonderful the church and the story of God is outside of how I'd always sort of experienced it in my rather narrow experiences. Um, and then what that meant for me in my faith and what it meant for me uh, and how I understood and, and encountered God. Um, and so, I mean, I've, I wrote a book a few years ago called Jesus Feminist um, mm. that uh, somehow, you know, managed to probably anger everybody, all of just <laughs> two-word title. <laughs> that took some, some serious talent. Um, but since then, I really wanted to kind of grapple with that season of my life. I feel like that's something a lot of people, um, both in my generation and X, but, you know, people in my generation, but also above me and, and coming up behind me, kind of wonder how do we grapple with what we believe and what we know and how we encounter and what we even hope about God, um, if we feel like we need to stay within mm. just one spot of where we started. Um, and so I wanted to write this book that, you know, not only told my own story, but also um, gave people permission, I suppose, mm. to lean into their questions and their doubts and the places where they were wanting to, um, to meet with God. Wow, that's fascinating. So, yeah, so, so let's go into the book a little bit more. Um, where did, I mean, what was kind of your journey in terms of, like, I mean, for those who haven't read the book, especially, they kind of leaving the church, coming back to the church, and why that happened and how that happened and how you kind of found Jesus in the midst of all of that somehow? 
Well, you know, it's, a, it's kind of one of those stories that sort of has, you know, I wish that it was something that had the you know, beginning, middle, and end. But I think like most of us, you kind mm-hmm. of end up feeling like, um, you know, your life just kind of moves in, in almost cycles or circles where you just kind of, you know, go through the, these seasons in your life when you um, encounter um, circumstances or change or questions that maybe you had never anticipated. Um, one of the things that I began to realize about spiritual formation is that um, so often we kind of tend to believe that if you just believe the truth and stay there, that that somehow means you win. Um, when in reality, a lot of spiritual formation actually looks like these cycles um, and seasons in our life where we have um, one of the uh, studies that I read was by a philosopher named uh, Paul Ricoeur that talks about how you have like this first naivete, this way that you were sort of given your faith and your belief and your understanding of Jesus or whatever it is. Um, but then there comes a time in your life where you hit this season of critical distance, um, you know, where you kind of are, are questioning and you're awakening to kind of some angst or some pain or some something happens that means that this thing that you were given in the beginning just doesn't fit anymore. Um, and so some people often, you know, can stay in that first nativity. Other people oftentimes can stay even in that critical distance season where they just, you know, are sifting and figuring out what do I want to take with me as I move forward in my life? What are some things I need to release and let go of? Uh, what are some lies that I believed about myself or about God? Uh, what are some things that I need to add some nuance and complexity to? What are some things I need to simplify? You know, whatever else it is. But then as you move through those seasons, you kind of can land in this thing that he calls um, your second naivete where you sort of returned or you've re-embraced um, wonder and, um, you know, re-understood who God is and, and you're moving forward in your life with a, with a lot more, um, you know, where you are able to be a critical thinker without having a really critical heart, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So this is kind of what, I mean, you talk about in the book about how your your husband was a, or was a pastor, wasn't he? And you were you were youth pastors at a church. Is that that's right, isn't it? Am I am I mm-hmm. right in saying that? And yeah. and that kind of ended, and you kind of both find your own ways back around to Jesus, kind of in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. And yours was kind of moving away from the church rather than, and his was kind of getting more involved in. Sorry, I got a phone ringing. <laughs> oh, see the benefits of live recording, everybody. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't even realize that the phone would be ringing. My apologies. I'll take it off after we're done. It's in the <laughs> other room, so I can't grab it. I'll mute for a second. Hold on. Okay. So, yeah, that's... Um, so, as you can see already, Sarah is um, quite an interesting interesting person. Um, I love Sarah. I've known her for quite a while. Um, <laughs> just doing some filler about, about you My and telling apologies. them how great you are. Um yeah, oh, so yeah, you can catch Sarah's blog. Sarah. You can edit that out. <laughs> no, I don't do edits. So I have no idea about oh, editing. All right, so no, no, no. I, I love that that kind of thing happens. Though. It kind of makes it more real, you know. Okay. I was just doing a little spiel about who you are and trying to do some filler kind of thing. So, um, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Um, <laughs> I love it when that anyway, as you were saying, I mean, one of the things that, that we encountered, I mean, one of the things that, that really did, um, you know, I had grappled with my faith for, for several years and had kind of struggled with, um, you know, feeling like uh, uh, I loved Jesus and had a very um, tender, um, you know, sense of, of following Jesus. 
but I struggled to find my place in church. I struggled to find a place where I felt like I belonged. Um, I struggled to feel like I could bring my full self uh, Mm -hmm. to church. And something that happened, um, you know, that I think kind of, you know, maybe was the embarking point for me um, was, you know, my husband and I uh, began to experience, you know, series of miscarriages where we were losing babies before birth. And in the churches that I um, knew from my childhood and from my life and, and, and currently tended to be ones that um, really loved a good answered prayer, right? Mm-hmm. Like really liked when there was a, here's three mm-hmm. steps to your answered prayer yeah. or, um, you know, yeah. the right answer is the win. Um, you know, we kind of, our narrative for Christianity existed in a lot of talk about victory and, you know, glory to glory. And, you know, I was, I didn't feel in that season of my life that I could come to church because I didn't feel like there was room for my grief Mm. and I didn't feel like there was room for, but my prayers aren't being answered and that there was room for, I don't know how I feel about God and I don't know how I feel about, Mm. um, you know, loss and I don't know how to, um, come to this community in this space. And some of that was more my own inability to, as opposed to necessarily that they wouldn't have welcomed me. I mean, looking back on it now from the standpoint of, you know, 10, 15 years later, I can identify that there were people there that would have loved to have come alongside of me in those moments. Mm. Um, but at the time where I was, and just sometimes, you know, when you get in those shadow seasons, the blinders are on and you can't even see mm. that. Yeah. And so for me, that meant that, when uh, we left ministry, our full-time vocational ministry, I should say, um, you know, I I did. I just really, I ended up just kind of saying, I'm, I'm done. You know, I don't really want to do the church thing anymore. I don't want to have much to do with it. Um, I even stopped calling myself a Christian for a period of time because I just felt like mm. that na- name and that label had so much baggage for me. Um, I felt like every time someone would say you're a Christian that they would automatically think, well, here's the kind of person that you are. And I didn't yeah. like the kind of person they were thinking about. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally wasn't. I, I, I mean, I, I, I think I said this somewhere else, but when I was reading this, it was like reading, a lot of this was like reading my own story. It was like, I mean, I love my church community. It's a lovely, it's an amazing church community, you know, and we're so inclusive and we're honest, we're vulnerable, you know, um, and our pastor's really vulnerable. And, um, but there's still... I still kind of get a sense sometimes that it's kind of like we we only want to hear the happy stories. We only want to hear the stories where God answers the prayer, where God heals the person, mm-hmm. you know. And we don't want to hear about when God doesn't answer the prayer, when God doesn't heal the person, when God doesn't bring somebody back from the dead, you know. Um, you know, like you know, I, I I lost my mother when I was like 23 years old, you know, and um, she was quite young as well. And you know, and that I think that was a, that was a kicking off. That was actually a point for me of kind of where I started to to question everything. Although I didn't realise I was doing it at the time because I was kind of in a very traditional Anglican church and I thought, I'm not allowed to have these questions, so I'm not going to ask them, <laughs> you know. And it was actually reading a book. It was actually reading um, Velvet Elvis, um, which kind of unlocked that for me, like said, oh, I'm not alone. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I definitely resonate with that. And I still have that issue, like, well, what do we do with the prayers that aren't answered? What do we do with, mm-hmm. when, like, when God doesn't say anything? Like, when... Definitely when like suffering happens and God just sits and doesn't just doesn't intervene. You know, it's like the car parking space. We all pray for car parking space to get filled, but God doesn't take care of the water crisis and he doesn't take care right. of the refugee crisis. And, you know, like, does he care more about car parking spaces than, than, you know, those kind of things. So, um, yeah, definitely resonate completely. 
Um, yeah, and it's funny because I think everybody kind of has different things that they felt launched them into that season. You know, so for me and, and even for yourself, it might be, you know, loss and grief. But for other people, it's really deep questions they have about things like, um, you know, what's the point of church or, or what is, um, you know, even human sexuality, so many conversations in that, um, you know, realm right now for so many people. Um, you know, there were other people who really started to wonder about, you know, creation. And so then they're wondering about scripture, like what is the, you know, what does scripture mean? What is the, what is the Bible? How did it come to me? Can I trust that? Um, you know, what is it? Do I have to take Bible literally or what does that even mean? You know, so I mean, whatever it is, there, there tends to be a place where you kind of hit this liminal space. Mm. Um, where you're not where you were before and you haven't yet arrived somewhere. And that's a season in our lives that we all hit and in, in various areas and we will continue to hit throughout our lives. Um, that's not something that's just kind of like a one and done, Mm. you know, Mm. over. Um, and I think that there's a real need to shepherd well in that season of life. Um, is there room for those people who are in the liminal space within our church communities, who are the ones who are feeling a bit messy and out of sorts, um, feeling like they're not quite where they want were and they're not quite sure where they're headed? Um, what are the things that they can cling to? What are the things that they can, um, are we giving them space to question and push back? And are we, are we walking that path with them? Um, in a lot of ways, I felt like the church did that for me. You know, there were a lot of, um, as I was in that wilderness season, even though I wasn't maybe in a formal, um, you know, institution, you know, intentional community thing where I was like going every Sunday, Mm. I began to realize that um, the more I walked through that season of my life, the people who were shepherding me well, the people who were loving me, the people who were helping me um, become reacquainted with who Jesus was and even be shocked and surprised by that were the people of God. And so that's the church. And that's what ended up kind of even bringing me, you know, six years later back to, you know, no, I want to go. I want to actually physically go to church on Sunday morning (laughs) and and be with these people. So not because they're perfect. I feel like sometimes maybe I had set the church on um, this pedestal and given given it, um, you know, expectations that wasn't set up to bear. You know, and, and once I was able to release the church from my expectations and simply, you know, gather with the people of God and then be sent out into the world as, um, you know, God's ambassadors for God's way of life, God's dream for humanity as kind of this outpost for what the kingdom of God looks like. All of a sudden it was like, okay, you know, we're in it together. You know, it's, it's not a matter of me being disillusioned. I'm really grateful to be disillusioned now that we're all on the journey. We're all on the same path. We're all in it together. And so let's do it together with some intention. Um, and so, I mean, people can land in different places and land in different traditions or land in different ways of, of encountering things. And so this is simply my story. Um, you know, I certainly didn't want people to encounter the book and feel like, well, I don't have any answers and I don't know my answers. And so here's a nice new set of answers. Yeah. <laughs> now, like now go away. Right. <laughs> I know it's, yeah. it was more about demonstrating how I wrestled and, and the places where I did so that they had that freedom to embark in their own way and find the answers. And, and as opposed to me saying, you know, here's your cheat sheet. Yeah, exactly. Cause we can turn, we can often turn these books into like, ah, this is what I'm meant to do. You know, and as a writer, actually, I, you know, because I'm, I'm writing a book at, at the moment, it's kind of, it's so easy to turn your work into, like, a formula. Like, yes. right, and this is all the final answers. This is all, like, do this, and it'll work for you. And what worked for me works, will work for everybody else. And 
and that's it. You don't have to do anything else after that, and you're fine. You know, and that's not actually how it works at all. And there's no one formula because they're all different, and different yeah. things work for different people. And there's no kind of. It's not like it's not. You don't reach an endpoint and that's it, and stop. Right. You know, that's I think kind a big of... part too is that that ends up taking away the Holy Spirit's role. Um, yes. You know, yes. which as someone who you know definitely leans a little bit more on the, on that you know side of the experience growing up and more in charismatic you know churches mm-hmm. and things that were a little bit more we, we called them spirit filled at the time. <laughs> um, yes, well, I, I take issue that. with that term now. Yes, so do I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the old school term. So, um, you know, I feel like when we reduce it to steps and formulas that we neuter the voice of the, of the Holy Spirit and the intimacy of that relationship. We turn mm-hmm. it from, we turn it into, um, you know, steps to follow or a formula to, um, in, you know, to uh, a code to crack as opposed to what the life in Christ actually is, which is one of generative friendship and abiding and, and you know, having life and life more abundantly. And, and hear it like what Isaiah says, you know, you'll hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. Mm. And that intimacy is so different than here's three steps, right? And, and it just requires such a different level of friendship with God. Um, that I think we've become afraid of, you know, we still would like to have someone be the arbiter of our spirituality and the idea of standing before God, uh, unveiled is, Mm. is hard for us. Yeah. I think, I think I've, I've heard, um, Peter Rollins talk about this, how we want someone to believe on our behalf. Yes. We want pastors (laughs) to believe on our behalf so that we don't have to believe so that we don't have to think about things, you know, um, and how when the pastor actually stands up and talks about his doubts, everyone gets uncomfortable and wants the pastor to go because, not because they didn't know he had doubts, because they knew he had doubts, or, or she, um, but because they're actually talking about them. And it means that they've got to confront their own doubts, you know. Um, and it's, it's true, you know, because we all that's have... That's not the game. That's not how the game is played. No, <laughs> that's, that's right. That's not how you're meant to do... We've all got a script to follow, and you're off script, right? And so... Living off script is a bit, um, you know, scary for a lot of people, right? And yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a great, I love the whole mystery, the the unknown, the unseen, you know, big God bigger than just, big, bigger than church, bigger than, you know, bigger than all the kind of religious stuff that surrounds him, you know. And I, I mean, I, I grew up in church, I've not known anything but church my whole life, you know. Like going to Sunday is going to church, like and that's been since I was born, pretty much. Um, and I still went to church even when I was a bit sceptical, you know, a bit cynical, and didn't really want to be there. But I thought, well, I've got to go because I'm a Christian, so I have to go. <laughs> and all my friends are there, so I have to go, you know. So, um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm kind of making room for a bigger God at the moment, and trying to explore different dimensions of i mean i call it spirituality because i think it's i would because I the label christianity seems to be a bit too small if you see what i mean um for jesus <laughs> if that makes any sense you know i'm kind of seeing a bigger spirituality with jesus at the center of it kind of and it's all kind of taking me around the same place and i talk about this a lot but um, i'm talking too much um so, um, but yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. We need, we need people who are going to say, you've got to confront your own doubts. You've got to confront your own questions because that's how you grow in the end, isn't it? It's not, 
it's not just by sitting in certainty. Um, no, and, no yeah. it never is. You know, and I think that sometimes we, um, you know, we're never really going to, to grow or to fully become, you know, who God has, has intended us to be or, or, or take our place in the story of God um, with spiritual and intellectual dishonesty. Right. I mean, if, if we aren't, you know, it, it, I, I tend to believe that, yes, you know, um, like scripture teaches us, you know, Jesus is the same, you know, yesterday, today and, and forever that, that, that Jesus is unchanging. But we should constantly be changing mm-hmm. in response to the unchanging Christ, that we are constantly being transformed. That's kind of the hope of the gospel is that you don't have to die the same person you are today, that you are mm-hmm. going to change. You are going to be transformed. Not only are you going to be able to cast off, um, you know, here's an old word for you, sin, you know, yeah. and be set free from, from things and experience healing and how those things happen. But you're also going to change um, you know, profoundly. And sometimes you'll have new eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand. And I mean, that's a, a big part of our, of what the gospel is in our lives. And so why would we think that, um, that that hope would be denied to us in, in how we, we encounter and experience, uh, the living God. I just, it, you know, I just think that that's, it's funny if we make that the goal, Extignation should never be the goal, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm growing. Yeah. If, I, if I'm stagnating, I'm I I always I, 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 that's that's the worst thing that can happen. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't want that to happen to me ever, and I always pray, I pray that a lot. God, don't let me stand still. Don't let me stand still. I always want to be growing. I always want to be moving forward. You know, um, and I actually I, I wrote something once about how people I think they worship certainty. They want. Mm-hmm. They want certainty because they want they put their they don't put their security in God they put their security in certainty mm-hmm. about God. Absolutely, and it's you know, and sometimes it's because that, that feels safe. You know, we value safety mm. a lot more. But I, you know, very very rarely. And it's, it's again, it kind of goes back to the old C.S. Lewis line. You know, about Aslan. You know, he, is he safe? No, mm. but he's good. Mm. You know, and that's, and that's kind of the same idea. It's not, not safe. And when your highest value and priority is, you know, staying in one teeny, you know, way of thinking or one, you know, never being challenged, never being, um, you know, honest or, or kind of pressing into those places, then, you know, kind of what's the point, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. I think actually some people want to get challenged, but only within the confines of the box that they've set out as like, I'll yeah. get challenged. It's far no further. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like okay, I'll get challenged here and here and here and here and here. But when it actually comes to what I believe, I won't get challenged. I, you know, you don't. What you believe doesn't get challenged. Just how you how you live it out gets challenged. Um, I think that's that's true, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think that it definitely is. But I think if you're paying attention, you know, if you're paying attention to your life and paying attention to the spirit's activity in your life, um, and if you move through. Uh, through that with open hands, you know, oftentimes we're surprised. Like for me, you know, in my story, I honestly thought that my story was would end with, and I have no need for institutional Christianity. Like I really did think for a long time that I had reached the end of that story. And I thought that I, I was a free range Christian, <laughs> you know, who, free range Christian. Eat, who had so grown out of and was so past you know, yeah. the idea of, of church, like I had just, you know, I was too grown up for it, or I had outgrown church, right, mm-hmm. which is just yeah. so 
pretentious to even hear myself say it out loud right now. Um, but a lot of times we can think that, right? We're almost like teenagers or adolescents where we're just like, God, mom and dad know nothing. And then later on <laughs> in your life, you're like, oh, wait, hold on a minute. They actually know quite a lot <laughs> things to learn here. And I've missed a few things. And in fact, yeah. I'd really like more time to talk to them about these things. And that was kind of my experience with, you know, intentional even community where then my story ended up taking me back. And now I find myself in a place, you know, seeing it with new eyes, you know, encountering it completely differently with completely different expectations. But I am back in the tradition that first introduced me to Jesus. Um, and that's something I never would have predicted. Yeah, we, never, we can never tell where we're going to go, can we? I mean, yeah, I mean, if I... If I I mean, looking at it's easy to look back, isn't it? I mean, I felt like look at myself ten years ago. What I, what I believed then, and what mm-hmm. I believe now, or how I believe then, and how I believe now. I just like, you know, it's like how how was I ever there? You know, how was I ever in that place? How would, I, that that seems so archaic to what I to, in comparison to what where I am now. You know, and it makes me think like and wonder. Ten years time, what am I going to be saying about what I believe now? Because I think I'm open minded and inclusive <laughs> and all this kind of thing now. And it's like, well, what am I going to be saying in ten years time? You know. I know. I know. You know. That's one of the things that I remember feeling like with this book. I said to my husband uh, Brian, I was like, I'm pretty sure that the point of this book will be that in ten years from now, I'll look back on all these things I've written and think, well, isn't that precious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... It's just, I think that's maybe the, the point of it or, or part of it, perhaps. I mean, because a, a big part of it is me, you know, not just the overwhelming, you know, theme of, you know, here's what it looks like to, to have these things, but I actually go through, you know, here's here's 10 or 11 places, you know, whether it's scripture and church and, um, you know, what I believe about miracles and signs and wonders and what I believe about, you know, ministry and having this kind of like evangelical hero complex thing that I developed. And mm, uh, you know, yeah. so I go through each one of these things you know, but the point isn't for anyone to end up in the same place that I ended up or at the same understanding that I ended up in, because I think I'm still growing in all of those places. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it, I think it'll be interesting in 10 years to look back and be like, I wonder how I'll have changed in each one of these areas that I kind yeah. of grappled with in the book and how different I'll be, or maybe, you know, maybe not. I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, yeah, I've noticed actually funny, it's funny because I'm writing a book about grace as you, as you know, um, and I look back at the first, I wrote the first draft two years ago now, and I'm working through it with an editor at the moment and looking at it and it's like, oh, I need to, I need to change, I need to change so much of this because I've, 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 in two years, I've like, my, my whole perspective has changed and shifted. And it's not that I'm getting rid of the whole book, but I've got to change parts of it because I, because I, I'm different, you know, and, um, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, and I'm, yeah. It's just, exciting, and I think that that's kind of hopeful and, and good. You know, if, yeah. if two years later you still had the same things, I think it would mean that you weren't paying attention, you know, to the, yeah. the things that the Spirit was trying to show you and teach you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a great believer that we have we have experiences which shift us out of our current way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I've been learning a lot about um, spiral dynamics and, and consciousness and that kind of thing. I'm, I'm going to be talking about that in later podcasts. And um that's exciting. It's fascinating, actually. When you look at when you read that and then read the Bible, oh my gosh! <laughs> you know, actually, in, you could see it in everything. I was like, what? Reading your book, thinking, oh my gosh, this is like moving through those different phases. Um, anyway, <laughs> but but it's um, I don't know why I even started saying that now. Isn't that amazing? Like, but it's but I but I can see 
God shifting shifting people through history, kind of like just gently nurturing us along. Like, come along with me. This is where I'm going. You know, just just keep coming. Just stay with me. You know, trust me. You might not understand. You might not know it all, but just keep. Just stay with me, and I'll you know I'll show you. And mm-hmm. I actually see that in my life. I see that in, and clearly it's that's what's happening in in the book as well. You know, I think it's happening in a lot of different corners. You know, it seemed like no matter, you know, where I travel, whether or who I have spoken to, um, you know, I think that a a lot of, and I think that sometimes we think that we have two options. Either we double down on what we were taught in the beginning and just kind of stick our fingers in our ears and say, this is right, this is right, it's always right, you know, or we burn it down and walk away entirely and just abandon it like a lost cause. And I think that there's, you know, finding that third way of saying, no, I think there's a way through the wilderness. I think there's a way, you know, where I I get to to gather and keep all these seasons and stories of my life Mm -hmm. and and encounters with God and yet still move forward into something um, new or, or, you know, in my case, a lot of times I was moving even sometimes corkscrew back around with new eyes, you know. So I think that there's, there's a lot of us out here who are doing that. Um, and maybe now it's becoming a bit of an open secret. Yes. <laughs> in churches, right? I think that's... I think <laughs> that's so few not... of us feel like we have it all figured out. We're all just acting like it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, definitely. And you can see it. The more you see it in yourself, the more you see it in other people. And they yeah. may not be able to see it. And you kind of almost want to show them, you know. But it's But at the same time, you kind of think, well, they're on their own journey. I need to kind of let God do that in a sense rather than try and force it and be aggressive about it. I need to kind of, and I'm, and depends also, I think it depends how well, how well you know someone as well. Mm-hmm. If you're close friends with somebody, you're somebody that you're one of their little group, like Benny Brown talk, talks about, you know, the little group of people that have the right to tell the truth to somebody. Um, mm-hmm. Then yeah, you can say something, I think, but I think you've got to be, you've got to be very careful what you say and how you say it because you don't want to push people too far too fast you've got to let them go on their own journey if you see what i mean absolutely no absolutely i think that you know that's one of the things i uh, even talked about in the book was um in a chapter about community you know like we were saying you know just like you know there's people who have earned the right you know to speak into your life in in certain seasons of your life but i think that sometimes in our culture right now we either tend towards kind of two extremes where we say nothing to no one you know, we never, never are truly honest, never truly open up, never truly share what's going on. And we just kind of, you know, say, you know, don't really share what we're going through. Or on the flip side, we say everything to everyone. <laughs> we put, yes. put it out everywhere. We take on skywriters. <laughs> we put like our deepest thoughts and fears and struggles and failings all over, you know, social media, or we just kind of spew it to anyone who will listen. Yeah. And, and that's just as dangerous because you are giving something really precious, like your, you know, your, like your story or your, um, you know, your heart or your struggles or whatever else, just really um, being promiscuous with it, you know, Mm. and sending it kind of all over the place, right? And so I think that that the way through that season is, in the book I call them your somewheres, you know, it's like you need to say it somewhere. So have a a, a trusted community of, of people or even just a handful or even just one or two you know, people that you can bring that fullness to. Mm. And that is a healthy and good way to grapple without saying, without either hiding in isolation or, you know, just kind of saying, 
uh, you know, everything to everyone all over the place, right? That, 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 that mm-hmm. can often bring a lot of wounding and drive by opinions um, that you don't need in a time when you are, um, you know, healing or growing or changing. And so having this, you know, people who have earned the right to speak into your life, to shape your story, to help you remember who you are, to reintroduce you to the things that you loved mm. um, or remind you of who you are. Uh, that's a really precious and, and, and there's something that's worth some intention, I believe in our lives. Yeah, I think I, I, take, I completely agree. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, when I, when I was kind of earlier on in this journey, I kind of felt very alone. Um, to be honest, and it was only when I reached out to people, and I kind of reached out to people online and social media and Facebook groups and stuff, and I began to connect with these people, and it was kind of, and you know, I'd never interacted with them before, but we just had all this stuff, it was like, oh, I'm, I'm not the only one that feels this way. Exactly, you're not as crazy as you think, you know, and you can find community in the craziest places, you can find it in a Facebook group, you can find it, yeah. you know, in your neighborhood, you can find it in a church, you can find it at work, you can find it, you know... In so many different places, you know, it's good mm. to find your people. And however you find them, find them. Yeah, find them. Because when you realize that, the, like, I mean, the biggest, the safest, one of the safest feelings is knowing you're not alone suddenly. Mm-hmm. You know, when you feel like you're going through, you're going through, you've got all these questions, you've got all these doubts, you've got all these kind of, I don't know what I'm going to do, I don't know, I don't, I don't know who to talk to about this. And then suddenly somebody else says, me either. Me yeah. too. I'm exactly the same. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that crazy after all. You know, I can, I can <laughs> say how I feel and it's okay. You know, it's yeah. kind of like grace, isn't it? Um, just it is. being able to be you and it's okay. Um, that's what grace is to me. You know? It is. And I think that's what, you know, that's what art does for a lot of people, you know, creates right. those connections, creates those places and spaces where they can encounter those truths. And I think the church you know, should, should be, could be, you know, that isn't always uh, a place where you can also, you know, feel a little bit less alone. Mm, absolutely. That's what church should be. I think I've always said that church should be a place where you can be completely vulnerable and it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, where, like I, I always love, I love the metaphor of the AA, of the, um, the AA meeting where you have to go and you have to say who you are. You have to, be honest about who you are completely vulnerable and it's okay you know and nobody judges anybody and they, everyone supports one another and loves one another and helps yes. each other grow you know in their brokenness in their kind of in the midst of the most difficult painful thing maybe that they're going through you know yeah and what it might be rooted in and that's what i that's what i desperately want church to be you know more like because I don't think church is enough like that. I mean, especially bigger churches because the bigger a church gets, the, the, the more difficult it is to be vulnerable. And, and that's why I'm a big believer in small groups as well. And um, we have small groups at our church, which is, you know, it's just amazing. Um, and I, I can be vulnerable in that in that space more than I can in the bigger. I used to be a big fan of mega churches, but I'm not I'm not really a fan of them anymore. <laughs> you know, I don't think I I, I feel I mean, especially I'm an introvert as well. You know. <laughs> Um, INFJ, you know, I want to. I prefer to be in small groups where I can just be vulnerable. So, um, yeah, definitely, yeah. So, um, where are you? I'm just interested because, um, obviously, you when you when did you finish the book? When did you when did you finish writing it? 
Uh, well, I think final edits were in this last summer, so it was de- it was finished. Yeah, I think I had it in you know first draft was been back in January, and then I think we did about six months worth of you know edits and kind of worked on it. So it was it was done probably back in June, maybe July, and came out in November. So oh, so this is this is actually kind of a reflection of where you are quite recently. Then it's not because mm-hmm. uh, I was just interested to how you might have what you might have learned since you've finished the book. Or in the process. You know, I think it's still pretty current, you know, for this, this season of life for me, for sure. You know, I don't think I've, I've quite, um, you know, I don't think I've quite got enough distance on it yet. Right. Did you find the process of writing it actually kind of helped crystallize a lot of what you were thinking? Oh, absolutely. You know what? I think that you know, like most writers, right, we kind of, um, yeah. we write to figure out what we think. <laughs> you know, a lot of times, or what we feel, or what we learn, or you know, whatever else, to find some meaning and narrative in our lives. Um, you know, and so yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like the process of writing it was um, cathartic, but it wasn't. Um, I felt like it was more taking, you know, a, a big season of my life and helping me um, understand it better. Mm. You know, and, and helping me be able to see, you know, looking back a little bit more clearly in terms of, um, okay, I can see the spirit at work here. And at the time, maybe I missed it. Uh, but now that I have some distance on it and now I have some uh, perspective on it and now that I have kind of moved through it, um, I can see it a lot more clearly and I can begin to kind of see the threads as they connected um, and all the places where, where I was meeting God. And at the time I, I maybe, you know, missed it or didn't see it. And then later on, you know, you, you see it more clearly. Fantastic. That is great. So, um, do you, um, do you have an idea of what your next book is going to be? I know it's a bit Not soon. A clue. Not a clue. <laughs> I, know. I had to I ask, just, you know, I know, you know, when I, uh, when I wrote Jesus feminist, I already knew that I wanted to write out of sorts. I had, you know, I, I was, you know, having conversations in that realm and, um, really felt, uh, that that was kind of where my passion was. And now that that work is done, um, I haven't really felt something else rise up to take its place yet. I still feel very, you know, passionate about this. And so really wanting to shepherd it well in the world now that it's finally out there. And so, mm. you know, I figure when, you know, when, when the time is right, uh, something will, will arise. But right now that hasn't happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, this has been great. I think we could uh, talk about this forever, couldn't we? Um, so, um, now the other reason the other reason I um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Sarah Bessie is because um, she is um, a, a big fan of uh, Doctor Who and Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, it's one of our great geekeries that we have in common. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, um, and I think we're going to be having a, we're going to be doing another podcast episode at some point. Um, Sarah and I talking about the spirituality of Doctor Who because uh, oh, Sarah wrote a great. Well, that'll be fun. <laughs> that will be fun. That will be fun. Yeah, yeah. Sarah wrote a great article on it, so we're going to have a big, um, we're going to have a big discussion all around that, and it's going to be very, very fun and exciting. So, um, <laughs> she's already Sarah's already got a massive bit on her face at the prospect of that. <laughs> so, Maybe that's my third book, the <laughs> spirituality of. You know what? Um, Actually, that's not a bad. <laughs> I'd buy that book, just for the title. Um, you know, yeah. Get you over. Get you over here. Yeah. <laughs> oh fantastic right well um thank you for coming on today sarah that's it's been really great having you on here 
Well, thank you so much for asking me. I've really enjoyed our chat. Yeah, me too. Um, Sorry about the Richard Fallon again. <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. I, I love that kind of thing. Honestly, it's kind of, yeah, kind of makes sense with the book, kind of, doesn't it? You know, um, kind of, you know, getting mixed up, things going messy in the midst of the calmness. Embrace the real. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, well, yeah, so we'll have you back soon, but um, uh, take care. And everyone, uh, thank you for listening, and I will talk to you all soon.